Thank you, God. Thank you for giving us Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And I want to read a piece of scripture to you this morning from Matthew chapter 12, verses 14 through to 21. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory. And in his name, Gentiles will trust. Well, this is a beautiful portrait of Jesus, church. This piece of scripture shows us that instead of taking up arms to protect himself, Jesus withdrew. He didn't take his kingdom by force at that time. He withdrew. And even though he was being persecuted and death was being plotted against him, he just, he just quietly carried on the ministry and the work that God had given him to do. He continued to heal the sick and multitudes came. He avoided notoriety. He said, don't tell anyone about this. He didn't want to draw attention to himself. He avoided that notoriety. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus. His his very substance comes from the life that God breathed into him. The fact that he was chosen, the fact that he was loved, spurred him on. The spirit was of God was on him. And today, beloved, you are chosen as well. And you are loved most dearly by the Lord God Almighty. And the spirit of God is upon you as well. So take heart, even though we are in dark times, the Lord God, He is there. And so we have this beautiful portrait of Jesus that we can meditate on. He was not going to quarrel. He was not going to break someone already bruised. And he will bring forth justice and victory. 
and his kingdom will be established. But that wasn't the right time. But the time is coming. The time is coming, church. So meanwhile, while we wait for that time to manifest, we remember Jesus. We remember him, that he, that he suffered and died and waited for God's perfect timing for all things to be revealed and for the kingdom of God to be established. So this morning, let's examine our own hearts and come before God and ask him, Lord, is there anything in me today that, that is not of you? Help us, Lord. Cleanse us, Lord. Forgive us for our sin, Lord, that we may come before you now boldly. So let's take the bread this morning with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, for sending us Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that, that your plans and your timing are perfect. And we honour you and we bow before you in reverence, in reverent fear of who you are. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cup, which brings us healing, which brings us deliverance which brings us victory. And we take of the cup this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. God in three persons, blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. That's our God. That's our God. How good was it to sing a couple of hymns this morning as well? Such anointed words with such depth and such richness. I hope they blessed you this morning. Yeah. Just a couple of uh, quick announcements. Uh, just wanted, wanting to remind uh, the church that um, we have a, an afternoon service today, 3 p.m., and carrying on with um, equipping the end time army with Pastor Ramel. So we look forward to seeing you there today. And we will also be broadcasting online. Uh, just to let you know as well that in a few weeks' time, it's going to be Father's Day, <laughs> the 4th of September, about three weeks away. So following the morning service, we're going to have a Father's Day barbecue. Just want to let everybody know to invite their dads along. It's going to be a great time of fellowship on Father's Day, the 4th of September. And uh, also... Just to remind everyone that we, we meet to pray together every Saturday morning at 6 o'clock. It's a very powerful time. It's the engine room of the church. For anyone who feels called to intercede and pray, we invite you to come and join us 
in this powerful time. And uh, that's, I think that's all the announcements for today. So now I would like to pass over to Pastor Gary. Amen. Excuse me this morning, I've got some water here. I've got a really croaky throat. But God is good, right? God is good. What do you think of the new setup for the church? A little bit different. We managed to strip out about two-thirds of the cables. That I don't know why we were using them, but we removed about 40 kilos worth of cables so we don't have to carry them around. I'm pretty happy about that. And we also have... Um, I don't have a screen here, but for the life of me, I cannot get it working, so the Holy Spirit can work on that this afternoon. We thought we had it working. One of the transmitters was broken. Well, it was brand new, but it wasn't working, so we got a new one late last night, and it doesn't work either. So... But the Lord will be all over it, so it's all good. So praise the Lord. Here we are at church again. I don't know where everyone is. Um, but the believers are here, right? Amen. And what I want to do before we start, Sue had a word for the, for the church last week. Actually, can you guys just hang around for two minutes to listen to this? Because this is going to bless the church. I think we really need to, um, to grab hold of this because it's something we've heard before. And it was so crystal clear. And I love the fact that when Sue got this word, she said to the Lord, give me some scriptures to go with it. Because if we get a word right, we've got to be backed up by scripture. So Sue, would you like to share it? Sure. Sure. Morning, everyone. So what um, what I saw was refinery life as a lighthouse, a beacon of light shining brightly in the region, drawing people to it like a moth to a candle. And the word is, people will come to be saved, delivered and set free. They will come for refreshing, to drink and then to be sent out. Ministries will come and ministries will be built. The fivefold will be grown, discipled and will go out. Refinery life will be like their mantle, their covering. And the scriptures that the Lord gave me were Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In Psalm 43, 3, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and, your, and to your dwelling. And Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And then he also said, I have anointed you as a house of prayer for all nations. So we just thank you, Lord, for that word. Amen. How good is that? How good is that? And what, what are the two things that lighthouses do? First one is they keep us safe, right? Second one is they warn us of the dangers. Isn't that what the church should be doing? Warning people that they're going down the wrong path. They're about to crash into those rocks. Come on, church, get ready. As these people come in, it's up to us as a church, not just me, us, to equip them and get them ready to send them out again. I'd love to see this building full, but I don't care if it's a church of 50 people. And we're building people up and we're sending them out and more are coming in. And that's what the life of the church should look like. So get ready. We're equipping the saints here. We're equipping the saints. So thank you, Sue. I'm so 
I'm excited that people can get words from God in this church and they're comfortable to share them because they know they're from God. It's not them. I heard Pastor Len Russo say, say, I think it was last weekend, might have been the weekend before, if you've got a prophetic word, that's great. But just remember, first it might actually be for you and not the church. So dwell on it for a little while before you share it. Because when you know it's for the church or you know it's for someone else, you will know. You will know. The, the, the word come with a lighthouse, which is awesome. That's what it should be. I said to Amanda this morning as we're driving in, we've got to find that lighthouse. We've got to make sure it's there near the giving boxes because we are a lighthouse. It's so exciting. So exciting. I'm going to pray for our offering before we actually kick off this morning. And let me encourage you, if, if you're available this afternoon, come. As Pastor Amel said, last Sunday evening and people were trying to correct him but I knew the path he was on good morning we're stepping into the third day Jesus is risen good morning let's pray for our offering Lord we thank you we come to you this morning in humble obedience help us Lord as long as we live on this earth to seek you daily and to walk in a believing and affectionate fellowship with you continually. We pray, Lord, that when, the, when you come, we will not be found hiding our talents or serving the flesh, nor asleep with our lamps not ready. May we be waiting and longing, but at the same time working, busy about the daily, daily tasks that are that are so necessary for building a well-rounded kingdom life. Because we're kingdom people, right? A part of our daily duties is the bringing of our gifts to the storehouse. Yet giving is more than just an obligation. We give because we love and count it as a privilege to invest part of ourselves in the world of your kingdom. Use our gifts, Lord, for your glory and use our lives likewise to bring honour to your name. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. If you've got your offering there and you, you, you want to sow this morning, you can pop it in the boxes on the side. If you're watching online, uh, the details should come across the screen at some stage. I'm excited about church this morning. You know, it, it's been a tough week, let me tell you. It has been, as a minister, it has been a horrendous week. But God is good. God is good. We can't step out in faith to do kingdom work and not expect trouble to come and try and stop it. And I'm not going to tell you what we went through this week, but let me tell you, trouble came. But praise the Lord. He turned up as well. Can we pray the Lord's Prayer before we go on? I'm mixing things up a bit this morning. I thought we've got a, a new setup. We might as well change things around as well. When the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to prophesy, didn't say that, did they? They said, teach us how to pray. Because that's what the church has been lacking for, I'd like to say decades, but really generations. We've lost the idea of what prayer is. Jesus said to them, say this, Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. His is the kingdom, not just for a little while, forever. It's his power forever. It's his glory forever. Not just when we turn up for church at 9.30, forever. Praise God. We serve a good God. We serve a good God. And we raise up our brothers and sisters this morning that aren't here. Some of them may be ill. Some of them just may have really good excuses why they're not at church. But we've all got an excuse, right? We've all got an excuse. We raise them up this morning. Lord, shake them. As we prayed before the service, Lord, convict them that the house is full this morning, this evening. And Pastor Romel will welcome them again and say good morning. Today we're going to continue our series titled The Master Speaks to Us Today Through the Parables. These teachings are based on Jesus' parables that describe the nature of the kingdom of God. And I'm not sure whether you're aware, each of these parables was spoken one after another. I think Jesus was trying to get the message through, but he had to say it seven different ways for people to get it. So that's what we've been doing too, each week going through the parables. And today we're going to talk about to be a Christian is worth more than everything else. To be a Christian is worth more than everything else. What are you willing to give up to be a Christian? Because it's worth more. <laughs> it's worth so much more. The text we're going to concentrate on, it's really different having the screen up there. Can you actually see it better? Being up on the stage? Awesome. I'm used to looking over here, but all I can see is the back of the mixer. The text we're going to concentrate on is Matthew 13, 44. If you're watching at home, open your Bible up. You can read it with us. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The parable of the hidden treasure. Verse 44. Again. I love that. Again. I'm telling you the same story. Again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And the scriptures we're going to work through are Mark 10, 17 through to 30. Let's read them together. It talks about Jesus when he's counseling the rich young ruler because these two pieces of scripture go to well together. They just interlock so well. Verse 17 says, Now as he was going out on the road, he came running, sorry, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? You ever had anyone ask you that? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, you've got two choices. You can come to Jesus. Or you can make no choice at all and you still get eternal life. It's just not as enjoyable eternal damnation verse 18 so Jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good but one that is God you know the commandments 
Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. <coughs> Excuse me. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Most of those seem pretty easy, right? Life on's a little bit more difficult sometimes. Verse 20, And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, I love this bit, Jesus loved him. Still corrected him, right? One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me take up your cross and follow me but he was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions if we met Jesus if we were this young man and we met Jesus and we knew who he was would we have walked away sad or would we have been obedient? You don't need to answer that, but just dwell on that. Because that's a question that we all should be thinking about. Are we actually going to do what he says? And it talks about, with God, all things are possible. We love that part. Verse 23, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have the riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? We've seen people come into the church in the past absolutely broken with nothing. They pray for jobs, they pray for houses, they pray for all this stuff, and they get it. And you know what? As soon as they get what they've prayed for, they deem themselves rich and they shoot out of the church. They don't need God anymore. Don't be like that. It's the type of person Jesus is talking about here. Verse 25, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Amen to that. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, in the age to come, eternal life. Who doesn't want that? No one. Okay, I want it. <laughs> I'll take it. If you don't want it, I'll have your share as well. The kingdom of God is both personal and social. The parables we have studied so far have emphasized the universal aspect of the kingdom setting forth its growth and development in the world. This parable and the one following stressed the value of God's kingdom to the individual. Let me share something with you quickly. This is off track, but God's reminding me. 
We had a prophecy over this church and over myself and Pastor Amanda in late January, early February this year from Apostle Shenley over in South Africa who we spent two months with before we planted the church. And it was the weirdest prophecy ever. Went on for about an hour because we love Shenley and he loves to talk and he's, he's, he's very intellectual. You'll, you should get to meet him this year. I think he's planning on coming in October, end of October, November. If that doesn't work out, it'll be early next year. Pray that he has the opportunity to immigrate to Australia. He's tried three times, spent tens of thousands of dollars, and each time the visa rules have changed. We spoke to him on Tuesday night, and he's, he's feeling the urge to try again. But he said to us, you're going to go through a river and it's going to be dark and cold and you're going to go up a, a water chute and that's how you will take this city. You will come up inside the city and open the gates. And we thought, yeah, if that's the story of Joab, we'll just put that aside. We don't know how that can happen. And then on last Sunday, Sonny and Grace said to us, you've really got to watch the last first fruits message that Chuck did. And as most of you know, I don't watch other ministers. I, 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 I want to hear from the Lord. I don't want to hear from other ministers. And I'm watching it, and it's about an hour in, and I was about to turn it off. We had another 40 minutes to go. And he said, you're going to go in through the cold river like Joab did into the darkness, up the water chute, and you will take the city by opening the gates from the inside. I'm like, did I just hear that? Rewind. Watch it again. Whoa. Rewind. Watch it again. Amanda, you've got to watch this. I rang Amanda straight away. We're going to take this city because we're happy to go into that cold river. We're happy to swim through the darkness upstream. We're happy to climb up that water chute, which wouldn't have been very nice. Now, we don't know whether we're at the start of that or halfway or, or you know, that we're just there, ready to jump out. But get ready, church. We're going to take this city. I'll get back on track. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of that. The gospel is a great influence to everyone in the community. Isn't it? Even those who've never personally heard or accepted Jesus a saviour sharing the benefits that have accrued to community life because the gospel message has been preached. Think of it. Hospitals, orphanages, schools, many other different agencies of all kinds are products of the compassion that people possess because Jesus has influenced civilization. Think of that. Because of Christians that schools were started. Hospitals were started. Now the world has overtaken them and broken them down and kicked God out. But we must remember that that's how they started. Yet the treasure of the gospel is primarily a personal possession. Jesus told this story to illustrate the worth of the kingdom of God to an individual life. Let's break it up a little bit. There's a word of caution that it starts with. This parable was not given to instruct people in business ethics. 
So if you're thinking you find treasure, you go and buy that person's field, that's a good way of business. It's not what he's saying. Parable was not given to teach business ethics. We enter into a great danger when we try and press every detail of a parable into a symbolic meaning. We see that sometimes. Everything has to be symbolic, but it actually doesn't. Sometimes the Bible actually just says what it says. If we did so in this parable, tried to every little bit of it be symbolic, we'd be in trouble. Would it be honest if we found treasure in someone else's field? We went down to Pastor Dyer's house this afternoon to help her do something and she had treasure buried in a, in a little garden bed there and we just happened to see it on the way past. Would it be honest to actually go and try and buy Pastor Dyer's house? We might say that it's a great business, but we know better, don't we? We know we're stealing from people if we do that. When I posed this question to someone, the response was this. It depends on whether I'm buying the field from you or you're buying it from me as to whether it's honest or not. We can't be like that, can we? Because it was my treasure in my field and you were trying to buy it, I would think that's pretty dishonest. We may joke about it, but deep down we know that it is wrong. There's also a sober reflection here that if we have a sober reflection on this, it'll cause us to realize quickly that this isn't a question of ethics. Well, this question of ethics, sorry, is not really related to the parable. So we've got to stop trying to squeeze meanings into things that we see in the Bible. Well, I have an issue when we hear prophecies of there's a breakthrough coming, brother. Awesome. When? What's this breakthrough look like? How's it going to come? And then we start thinking, well, you know, I wanted that new car. Maybe that's my breakthrough. Or I wanted that new job. Maybe that's my breakthrough. Or maybe someone's just saying something for the sake of it. We've got to stop trying to force meaning into stuff. You hear me prophesy. You hear Pastor Di prophesy. You hear many of the ministers in this church prophesy. You hear Ramel prophesy. It'll be specific. There's not going to be any bruffy, fluffy breakthrough coming. It says, this is what's going to happen. And often attached to that is, and to do that, you must do this. You have to activate it yourself. Second thing here is there's an accidental discovery. The story Jesus told easily could have happened in his day. You must remember this. This is back in Jesus' day. Palestine was invaded often because of its strategic locations. It was the bridge between two continents. And when, man, when a man accumulated treasure, he did not know where to hide it. You couldn't go down to Westpac and just put it in the bank. Because invading armies would come through all the time and loot your home. An old tradition said that it was in the East because of the frequent revolutions, and I'm looking forward to the revolution that's coming to the church at some stage, after we see Reformation and after we see revival, there's a revolution coming. But because of the frequent revolutions and changes of rulers, 
many rich men divided their goods into three parts. And this is actually good advice for us today as well. One third they used in doing business or supporting themselves. One third they turned into jewels, which they could easily carry with them if they had to take off pretty quickly. And one third they buried. A hireling, one of their, their workers, could be plowing another man's field and come across a hidden treasure of a previous owner who may have been killed. This would have been a you know, regular type thing. What would he do? What would the hireling do? He might quickly bury it again. You know, I think we're, they're out plowing with oxen. All done by hand. Not like today, we were in big tractors and you wouldn't even know whether you'd run over the treasure. He might bury it again and go and try and raise enough cash to buy that man's field. This parable, in contrast to the one that follows, suggests that some people come upon God's kingdom unexpectedly. I came across God's kingdom unexpectedly. I was in the gutter. Lord, help me. Why won't you let me do this? Son, I've got more for you. I've got a plan and a purpose. That's not the response I expected. The Samaritan woman is an example of this. She went to the well to draw water, never expecting to find the water of life there. That's an unexpected discovery of the kingdom, isn't it? Some people find Jesus unexpectedly at a worship service. Perhaps the person went to church for some other reason than to engage in a meaning spiritual activity. They might have come to find a husband or wife or, you know, see their friend who's playing on the worship team or whatever it might be. I've heard all the excuses why people go to church. Most of them don't involve God. My friends are there. I like that girl over there. They serve good coffee. Oh, well, we're going to lunch afterwards and it was just easier to come. We've heard all the stories. But the Holy Spirit operated through the singing and the preaching and people were touched. Think of the old Billy Graham crusades. How many people got set free? How many people got saved because of the singing and the preaching? And decisions were made. Reinhard Bonnke, same thing. All of these generals of the faith. Some people were probably just there because their friends dragged them along. They were probably pretty reluctant. The individual discovered the hidden treasure of a personal experience with Jesus Christ. How many people were actually saved here in church? Two. I love that. That backs up this story. You stumbled across that relationship with Christ, probably because someone else took you to church. So many people are saved because of a praying mother or grandmother. They stumble across that relationship with Christ at some stage. I've seen people go to a church and make fun of what's happening. We used to be in a church that was associated with a drug and alcohol rehab. Let me tell you, most of the people weren't there for God. They would make fun of what was happening. They'd make fun of the preaching. They'd cause trouble sometimes. But as a result of the message and the Holy Spirit's work, they accepted Christ. 
That's something we can celebrate. Because of the message and the preaching and the music and the Holy Spirit's work, they accepted Christ. Imagine if we start doing that on the street. We start talking to our families about God. We start talking to that strange neighbor we've got about God. Maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit will step in and convict them and save them. Third thing we have to do is give all we have. Frequently, we're called upon to give up ambitions and lifestyles that are inconsistent with the Christian life. I know I was. I know Pastor Amanda was. And then together, we were, we, we were called to give up businesses and all sorts of things. We said, yes, Lord. Don't know how we're going to do it, Lord, but yes, Lord. Plant a church, he said. It'll be fun, he said. <laughs> yes, Lord. This is part of the act and process known as repentance. What are we willing to give up to be kingdom people? Yeah, we think of the easy things that like, are we willing to give up drinking? Are we willing to give up smoking? Are we willing to give up pornography and going to nightclubs and all that sort of stuff? They're the easy things, right? Are we willing to give up a high-paying job if God says? People would think about that. Are we willing to give up our second car if God says? Are we willing to sell our big beautiful house and move to somewhere less desirable if God says? Are we willing to pack up everything in, in the Philippines and move to Singapore and then 10 years later move to Australia because God says? Are we willing to move up north to Bowen because God says? These are the things that are a little bit harder to give up. Are we willing to move to Korea because God says? And then when everything's going well, when, when he said to go and do something, he says, now, right, I want you to go back to the Gold Coast. Are we willing to actually be obedient and give stuff up? I can tell you tomorrow, if God says to me tomorrow, Gary, I'm moving you somewhere else, hand that church over to somewhere else, someone else, guess what? Someone else will have a new church tomorrow. We have labored for this place. We have wept for this church. We've wept for this city. But if God tells me to go somewhere else, Please, Lord, make it a Western country and nice and tropical, perhaps. But if he tells me to, guess what? We will do it. And I know, and I know, and I know that if I go to Amanda and say, the Lord said we're moving to Singapore, or the Lord said we're moving wherever, and he hasn't said that, so I'm not setting you up for anything here, but I know she's going to say, when are we going? If I say we're moving to India, she might say, is that really Lord, the Lord? We're moving to South Africa. Oh, are you sure that's the Lord? But we would do it. What are you willing to give up if the Lord says, do something? The Christian life isn't always as comfortable as we would think it is. Think of the, the apostles. Beaten, locked up, Paul shipwrecked three times. 
not the real nice life, is it? Always on the road, going into a new city, planting a church, changing their pagan ways, stopping them from sacrificing their kids. Not, not a comfortable life. But you know, if we're, if we're not willing to be uncomfortable sometimes here on earth, heaven's going to be horrible. Heaven is going to be worse. We're going to have to worship all the time. You don't like worshipping now? You don't like serving the Lord now? Heaven is going to be a horrible place for you. Because that's what you'll be doing. The Lord will be there. It's going to be fantastic. Let me encourage you. Start practicing now. Get ready for it. We're frequently called upon to give up ambitions and lifestyles that are inconsistent with the Christian life. This is part of the act that we know as repentance. Who, th who believes we need more repentance within the church? I spent two days this week just on my knees in tears playing, praying for this city and for the church and and that we could just have a touch of the kingdom. Just a, just, just a little taste of the kingdom, Lord, please. The point of this parable is that we have to give up everything. Everything, including ourselves. Everything we have, everything we are, to be a Christian. And I can assure you, it is worth it. It is worth it. People tell me, oh, the Bible is boring. Have you even read it? You tell me it's boring. Have you even read it? I mean, Numbers and Deuteronomy is a little bit tough, but get through that. Get through it. I think of the, the great prophets, Elijah, let, let me read this to you for a minute. Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down under a lone broom or juniper tree and asked that he might die. Lord, I'm done with this. <laughs> Take me. That's what he's doing. He said, it's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life that I am no better than my father's. But then an angel come along and told him to eat. The Lord has a sense of humor. He's got Jezebel chasing him. Like, take me, Lord. Angel turns up and says, Elijah, eat and drink. Here's a bit more of a nap. The angel turns up again, eat and drink, Elijah. You've got a journey coming up. Are we willing to go on that journey? We need to get ready, church. We really do need to get ready. Have a look what's happening around us. Have a look at where the world's at. Don't be afraid of it. Acknowledge where it's at and get ready. I've said it so many times. We're going to get to heaven one day and we're going to be thinking, I wonder where so-and-so is. They're not here. They would have been the ones that heard do not know you. But Lord, I cast out demons in your name. I healed the sick. 
I do not know you. Get ready. We want to be the ones that are, that are hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on through. There's going to be people when we get there, we're going to be like, how did you get here? How did you get here? You're the last person I would have expected here. But guess what? They were ready. They were ready. They weren't accepting the world's issues. The world's problems are the world's problems. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. It's not up for us. We've got one focus. Christ crucified and resurrected. We want to see his kingdom. The Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Get ready, church. Get ready. I love when Pastor Amel says, good morning. We're in the third day. This church is three years old. Pastor Shane, when he messaged me this morning, we had our prayer meeting actually on, on level five in our building because it was a bit rainy and, and horrible. And we thought, let's just have some coffee and croissants and pray that way. It's even better. He messaged me and says, Pastor Gary, we're downstairs. Our, our lamps are full and our wicks are trimmed. Come on. They were downstairs ready to pray. We're ready, we're ready, we're ready. Are we ready as a church? Are we ready as individuals? Are we ready to actually see the kingdom come? If Jesus walks in that door today, will we recognize him? Or will we go, what is that homeless person doing here? Because he'll look homeless. He's not going to walk in in a nice suit dressed like Joel Osteen, I can assure you of that. There's going to be some Arab guy walk through. Arab-looking guy. We're going to be like, oh, what's he doing here? Will we recognize him? Will we recognize him? I'm going to finish up in just a moment, Amanda. I don't know whether you need a keyboard player or something. Notice that the man in the parable seized the crucial moment when it came. Are we ready to seize that crucial moment when it comes? When the Holy Spirit leads you to someone, when, when, when he brings someone across your path, are you willing to seize that moment? When he says, that one, pray for them now. When he gives you a word of knowledge about someone, are you willing to speak it out? And just maybe see what happens. Are you, are you, are you going to seize that moment? Because if you don't, someone else will. If the Lord tells you to do something and you refuse to do it, you'll find someone else. He can raise the rocks up if he needs to. He can get a donkey to preach to someone. I'm looking forward to the day when I walk down the street and there's a dog preaching to someone because someone else didn't do it. And we're like, thank you, Lord. I'll check my sanity at the time, but thank you, Lord. He'll raise up the stones. He'll use a donkey. Why don't we seize the moment and watch him move? This guy did not linger or debate the matter, but he acted on the moment. We'd be like, are you sure, God? You sure that person? Show me where that is in Scripture. Oh, well, I can't make that Scripture fit into my theology. I can't make that Scripture fit into my doctrine. So, Lord, are you sure you, is this what you mean? 
When God speaks to you, he's not bipolar. He's not going to change his mind. When he says to Arnie Paddy, Arnie Paddy, go and talk to those people over there in the park. She's not going to go, but I want to talk to these ones, Lord. She's going to do it straight away. They're not going to get a choice. They're going to hear the gospel. That's what it should be like. Why are we scared of the world? Why are we scared of the, the young lady or young man working at Woolworths at the checkout? I make a point of saying hello to them and smiling. They're having a terrible day most of the time. You might be the only Christian they see. If you keep going back to the same supermarket or same shop, the person keeps seeing you, they're going to be thinking, what's wrong with this person? Why are they happy? Why are they talking to me? And one day they may just ask. Or maybe they won't. Maybe the Holy Spirit will just step in. How many times have we spoken to someone and we've, we've had them say to us, you're a Christian, aren't you? Or why are you different to everyone else? Let him shine through you. Don't linger or debate, but act. This is not a spectator sport. We're supposed to be in the game playing. One of life's dangers is that we are moved by some high impulse and we don't act. We see it all the time with evangelists. I'm not having a go at evangelists, but we see it all the time. They'll have a crusade or a meeting and people will get saved. And then they leave them. They don't get them discipled. They don't get them into a church. That's got to change. Start raising people up. If we want to be that lighthouse, let's start raising them up and sending them out. I want to be one of those churches that we don't count how many salvations we've had. We count how many people we've sent out into the world. When we delay, the impulse often dies, doesn't it? If you see someone today and you preach the gospel to them and they make that decision for Christ, if you don't point them to a church because they're going to be excited and you don't disciple them, that urge, that experience will die away. We don't plant a seed and not water it. We don't plant a seed and clear the the weeds out from around it so it grows up strong. We must seize the great moments of opportunity while they're present. We took the opportunity yesterday to change the church around. Praise the Lord that Nick said, hey, I'll come and help. We seized that opportunity. We had the chance to do it. That's a simple thing, but that's an opportunity. We could have waited another two, three weeks, four weeks and just said to us, oh, you know, it's too hard, let's not do it. But we seize the opportunity. We seize the opportunity to speak to people whenever we can about God. We seize the opportunity yesterday to talk to our family about what's happening in Kenya. That they're building a big chicken coop so they can have chickens and, and that sort of thing. You know, we've got 12 goats now. This church family bought some goats and now they're breeding and we've got 12 of them. Praise the Lord, we took that opportunity. 
Let's start taking the opportunities as they present themselves. Someone said it well. They said, Lord, help us take advantage of the opportunities of our lifetime. During our lifetime of opportunities. Once you're dead, those opportunities are done. Someone's giving you an opportunity now to be saved. You're watching online. This is your opportunity to meet Christ. If you're sitting here today and you... If you're sitting here today and you aren't sure where eternity is for you, if you don't know that you know that you know that you know that heaven is your end destination, I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning to come up and get prayer. We've got to make the most of our opportunities. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. We all make plans for tomorrow, don't we? But it's not guaranteed. I praise the Lord that we have a good God. But I also know that when He calls us home, it's time to go home. We've got to take those opportunities. We have people who are part of our wider church family that are in hospital right now. We've got to take these opportunities while we can. We've got to take these opportunities. We've got to seize the day. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. We thank you, Lord, that you do give us opportunities to serve you and be obedient to you, Lord. And I pray this morning, Lord, that We have our ears and our eyes open to hear and see what you're doing. Lord, the glory is all yours. Lord, touch us. Use us. Bless us, Lord. Lord, for those of us that don't quite know you, those, those that just don't trust you, Lord, we may say we know you, Lord, but for those that don't trust you, Touch our hearts this morning. Touch our hearts this morning, Lord, that we can trust you like some of us trust the world, like some of us trust our job, like some of us trust, dare I say it, our government. Lord, touch us. Change our hearts. Change our minds, Lord, that we can be more like your son, that we can just Can you imagine that if we just did what Jesus did, how we could change the world? Lord, make us like that. Make us bold enough just to do what Jesus did. Lord, as we approach Father's Day in a couple of weeks, raise up fathers. Put them in their rightful place, Lord. They've been beaten down for a couple of generations now. They've been made look like fools for a couple of generations, Lord. But we raise them up. Lord, we can fix most of our crime and family issues by having fathers. Lord, that's nothing against the mothers, but a mum can't be a mum and a dad, but many have to try. Lord, raise the fathers up. Raise the fathers up, Lord, that they can be fathers as you are. 
Lord, I thank you. Thank you that in this house, there are fathers. And there are fathers here that are willing to take on adoptive children. Lord, bring them that we can actually pick up these young men and walk with them. Teach them to be young men and in turn teach them to be fathers. And for the ladies, Lord, we, we bless the ladies in this house. This church would not be able to do what it does without the, the faithful servant hearts of the, the, the ladies in this church and the mothers in this church, Lord. Bring the young ladies to them that they can learn to be young ladies. That, Lord, these young ladies aren't looking on Instagram and Facebook and all that other social media to learn how to be a woman. They can come to the church and learn raise them up to be mothers, Lord. Raise them up, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So for those watching online, we thank you for joining us again. We love you. Join us again at 3 o'clock, sorry, 3.30 if you're online, or 3 o'clock if you want to come and um, join us in person. Pastor Amel's got a great message this afternoon part two of equipping the end time army we'd love to see you here and join us again on Tuesday and Thursday night at 7pm Queensland time be blessed we, we love you we're going to have some more worship now I think no, no more worship, maybe some prayer and, and some morning tea so if you're online stay in the blessing, we love you praise the Lord does anyone need some prayer this morning? I really feel there's a couple of people there.